0: This is Kate, and we got the chance at DreamHack Dallas 2023 to talk to Sean Clark, the Director of Product for CSGO over at ESL Basic Group. We talked about the Intel Extreme Masters, the history of esports in Dallas, and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening.
1: So, my name is Sean Clark, uh, I am the Senior Director of the Counter Strike Ecosystem at the ESL Basic Group. Um, been at the company for ten years now. Um, endemic to esports for fifteen or so. Uh, I entered it when I was fifteen years old, and I've been uh, helping build it ever since.
0: That actually goes perfectly into my first question, which was because uh, at the panel yesterday you mentioned yep. coming out of esports into esports as a career in a different way, not as you know like a player. Um, and I did want to ask can you talk a little bit about that trajectory out of a competitor because yeah. I think that's something that a lot of folks are just now having to realize and yeah. how do we build a life after the
1: yeah uh, and to be fair that was a scary point for me too yeah um, <laughs> it, it did happen naturally though so uh, I was a professional player in the year I think I went professional in the year 2005 2006 um, I remained a professional for about four or five years. Um, I was traveling and competing very similar to players today. Um, So a big tournament back then was the the World Cyber Games. Um, That happened once a year, basically the World Championship. Uh, And to be fair, I think there's quite a few involved in the scene today that were playing back then as well. Um, Did that and the first transition for me away from playing uh, was a very natural one. Um, In 2010, live streaming kicked off. first time it was the the creation and the dawn of um justin tv which then later became twitch tv around this time um and it was also at the same time the launch of a couple of huge esport titles in starcraft 2 and league of legends um and at the time in 2010 a lot of tournament organizers were looking for someone or anyone that could do the live commentary for the esports events um and so for me it was um being English, being native, <laughs> yeah. uh, they were like, "Hey, you can uh, you can speak, right? You want a <laughs> microphone?" Uh, and so that was that was the the, the next step. Um, so it was just playing, and then someone said, "Hey, do you reckon you can kind of do some guest speaking and, and do that?" And they just slowly transitioned. Initially, it was you know ninety percent playing, ten percent doing commentary, mm-hmm. and then slowly but surely that that ratio flipped over mm-hmm. until I became full time um, and switched to to commentary. Um. I then was a commentator in esports for another five years, maybe four or five years. Um, and then I transitioned to, well, at that time, sorry, as a commentator, I was actually working very closely with ESL. Um, and so they were hiring me uh, and I even became a full time commentator for them. And so that's a kind of the next step into to get my foot through the door, into having a, a professional guess, career. Um, the next step into turning it into, let's say, more of a non-player, non-commentator role was, um, I was exposed to the broadcast a lot more as a commentator and I could see the flaws in the show from a broadcast perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I was giving them suggestions on how to make the show better and that's actually very similar to today that the commentators out there that work on tournaments today do that as well yeah they, they obviously talk yeah. and put on the, the, the voice for everyone but they also give advice on how to make the show better yeah. that's what yeah. I was doing um, and that then slowly transitioned into a producer role and so then all of a sudden you're in the third phase yeah. of <laughs> evolving a career in esports uh, and then the final phase yeah. to, to kind of fast forward to where I am today is being exposed with the broadcast you start to be exposed to product when you're exposed to the product you start to see the organization behind it yeah. and then I got more interested into that side of the business and that's kind of when I made the jump into the organizational side and start to build the, the ecosystems that we have today.
0: That's an amazing one, You <laughs> have an amazing career, Thank you. Uh, two, it's really awesome to hear it kind of laid out as those stages um, all kind of starting from that first piece of being a player. Um, and my second question is, you know, IEM is really large, really, really big, um, and they have a big impact. Um, what are the ways that Intel and ESL are using IEM to engage more with communities, not just at the player level, but at the band level, especially in cities like Dallas, Atlanta, San Diego? How, What are those community efforts like?
1: I mean, the, the community efforts are really simple uh, because what we do and put on as a product is for the community. Yeah. So it's just like the very beginning of everything we do is for them. So that's kind of where it all spirals out from. Yeah. Um, so so that's the, the really easy way to, to, to look at it. What we do is essentially we build products for fans uh, and that's kind of the community angle straight away. Yeah. Um, and then everything we do, we look at feedback, we, we engage with our communities, we Uh, try to evolve our products to better fit them um, so that they then can you know continue to to engage and enjoy what we do
2: kind of go off of that i guess for me how much goes into i guess obviously the actual product of the games versus like the actual production and the broadcasting side i mean how much i guess is there a balance to that like what is more i guess fans found valuable and how do you all go into like yeah coming up with that yeah type of uh I guess because like here we're in like we're in a stadium yeah (laughs) we have lights going everywhere it's like excitement yeah I guess is that something that you all like wanted to do or is this feedback or like how do you guys go into like
1: those decisions of like what the feel
2: I guess should be of each event
1: yeah I'd imagine that over the years it's naturally evolved to this certain point where it is today so it's not necessarily that we go to the next event saying okay what can we do what do we need to do it's almost that that is the standard that we've created over a career of suppose now 10 years of doing live events Um, at the the core of everything we do we are a sport Um, so that 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 is the core Uh, and then we build around that and so then we're trying to create a product that entertains you Uh, and especially at this type of event um, we then go okay well at the core of it we have a competition we have a couple of teams (laughs) so let's let's obviously elevate them and put them as the spotlight and, and ensure that they are the stars of the show which is how then we start to you know evolve our thinking, okay, well, if they're the stars of the show, they need to be positioned in a certain way on the stage. They need the lights around them so you can see them. Uh, they need to be walking out into the crowd before they go onto the stage. So you start to kind of build from that. Uh, and then everything else you see in a stage is usually just to um, allow you to have a good experience. So a screen is big enough for you to enjoy the game, which is ultimately the product we are trying to put on. Um, the, the lights in there is... Similar to a music show, just to kind of dazzle you, I suppose. Yeah. Right? To be like, wow, this is awesome. There's flames and fire and lights. <laughs> like, so it, it's all a show. Um, so I, I guess that answers the question a little bit more and how. No, we absolutely. Because I mean, for because obviously I
2: like watching the actual product, but I'm trying to. I, when we first started coming to DreamHack, she was like, "Well, why do people just watch this?" And I was like, I, when, uh, you, "When you're that here, that
0: was a little nicer." I was like, "Why are you just watching this video game? I played yeah, video yeah, games. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. why are you just doing that?" And then we sat in there that first day. And by the end, I was screaming for Team Liquid, and I was like, "We're gonna win!" And he's like, "I thought you didn't like this. Shut up! (laughs) This is amazing. The crowd sweeps you away, and you realize how amazing it is to see." It
1: does. And the thing that, like, why do you come to a live event? Like, as a fan, you could watch from home on your couch. Why do you come? Um, And I think the reason why is because that feeling that you get when you are sharing a moment with yeah. thousands of other people all at the same time on something that is so nuanced like it's a computer game <laughs> and a yeah. competition something so nuanced that like it's very rare to have the ability to share that experience with so many like-minded people yeah. so when it all comes together and something amazing happens which you know it can when you have the best players the world playing to show and then you share that moment, you kind of cherish that and it's, it's a feeling that is very difficult to describe. Yeah. And then obviously you get swept away in the, the atmosphere and the chanting and supporting yeah. a team. Um, and it kind of goes back to, to your question on, on community, like we, we are bringing the Counter-Strike community here. Um, and with the program of, of the Stream Masters, is that that's kind of our goal at, at the end of the day, is to create a flagship Competition tournament on every continent, yeah. uh, and this in Dallas, North America's our home, yeah.
0: uh, and
1: that's why we would like to you know continue to build and grow, uh, and that's our tournament here, and we have others around the world as well that are trying to achieve the very same thing.
0: I mean, we brought a friend, and he didn't even know what Counter Strike was. Like he, he sat down in the stadium today or in the arena day, he was like, "What what game is this? Oh, CS:GO. Okay." But he, he he got there and he got told he pressed play to record a video right when Mouse won, and he was like he was excited and he was like oh I get it now I see what's happening yeah <laughs> so it's awesome yeah. to do that with somebody else. Um, so I did want to ask, um, what makes the IEM series different than other tournaments that are happening? What is really distinctive for Counter Strike and IEM and the connection with you know ESL? What makes this unique
1: and unique experience? That's a really good question. Um, The Intel Extreme Masters is the longest professional competition on the planet. Uh, It was founded in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And we've been running competition on different scales, obviously, ever since. Um, It has so much history and legacy and respect to the tournament. And it's grown to the size it is today that Um, and players and teams and our communities respect that and want to compete and want to engage with the product and want to uh, experience it Um, and there's very few opportunities to do so Um, and especially when you watch it online and then you have the opportunity to come to Dallas to to have that and and that's brilliant that's what really makes us stand out is that it it really has been here since the beginning of of the creation of eSports and still pushing the, the, the industry forward.
0: I know uh, I think you and, and I think Shahidi uh, explained on the panel that like there's actually a deep rooted community of eSports in Dallas that I don't think a lot of people understand or even know. Um, have you had experience with that before, you know, before the Dreamer? Uh
1: I knew about uh, Dallas as a city. Um, because of its roots uh, to esports. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I don't think Shaheen got into detail on this yesterday, there was a um, an esports uh, tournament circuit called, I think it's the Cyber Sports Pro League, Professional mm-hmm. League, CPL uh, was, was the shortened mm-hmm. version of it. And, and it was a organization founded in 1997 in Dallas. Uh, and esports is not. You know, it's not been around for a long time and 997 is if someone throws that year to you yeah um uh, especially to me I, I was not in esports and i've been in esports for a long time i was not in esports in 97. very few were yeah uh, and so you can say that that was a, a birthplace of esports was here uh, and it also that company hosted uh, the very first international counter tournament in dallas uh, and it's. And I was speaking to the, the city of Dallas yesterday, and it was such a beautiful moment to be talking to them about what we're trying to build here. Um, and they're so enthusiastic about it. And I took a moment to step back and say, like, it is awesome to be in the same room as you talking about how we're going to be building you know, the future of, of esports and gaming and, and DreamHack here for many years to come. But it all started here yeah. at the same time. And there's just this beautiful irony about that uh, and they didn't know that, um, and they were like, "Wait, what? <laughs> that's incredible!" Um, and it's so, so. That's where I first uh, knew about Dallas. And, and to be fair, Dallas has hosted esports tournaments for quite a while. Gaming events for yeah, quite we, some time we've as done well. we
0: QuakeCon when it was happening.
1: QuakeCon. Uh, there's even esports organizations that. Are based I it, ESL had a,
0: had a giant thing here, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah, I, we've done events here before. Um, I believe um, the, the company that I, no longer exists today in the same capacity at Major League Gaming yeah. had done events yep. here as well.
0: I feel like I can't complain about DreamHack coming to Dallas. There's <laughs> oh, been oh, it's anywhere. Sweet right? one of opportunities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really just been a, a boiling pot of activities yeah. over the yeah. years of different types of events and conventions and gaming festivals.
0: Um, I had a question around, and I know you had a kind of a question around this as well um, the longevity. Mm-hmm. and like what makes it different than other games because we see eSports games kind of cycle out. Yeah. You know, First Stone is no longer big, Overwatch is, you know, floundered. Like you see things come and go consistently in eSports, but Counter-Strike is, con- is like almost like a constant.
2: Yeah.
1: Um,
0: can you speak a little bit to that longevity yeah. either as a player or as now as your side on the product?
1: Yeah. So for me, uh, there are different... Um, let's say eSports genres, Uh, you know, you've got your your fighting games, you've got your first-person shooters, you've got your strategy games. Um, For me, I have thought about this a lot. The very first game that strikes through, I call an original Mm eSport. And for me, Counter-Strike is the original first-person shooter game Mm -hmm. that cannot be toppled very easily. It is a It is an amazing, perfectly created game, (laughs) and there has been so many games that have come out that have tried to rival it over the years, or even we don't even know about that wanted to try to take it on, that never even surfaced. Um, It's very difficult to topple an original title, and I think that thought is shared across other genres as well, and so I feel that when you look in the MOBA space, you can say that Dolce & League of Legends are kind of the leading two, um, and they you know, very difficult to to overcome them. Uh, I feel like Rocket League has created a genre of its own. (laughs) Uh, And and now that's the original, even though it's relatively new. Uh, And I think in strategy games, the the original there is probably StarCraft. And it's still probably the best strategy game there is out there. Uh, And so I feel like when you become that number one, it's very difficult to topple. Because you need to, if you want to try to topple that game, you obviously need to make a game. Uh, but it can't be identical, so you can't copy it. Yeah. And it needs to be somewhat different, and at that point, you start to deviate from the beauty of the original, yeah. and then people just kind of go back to what they prefer and enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I think that the level of care that, that Valve have, uh, as the publisher, have almost obviously looked after the game for so many years, the amount of eSports tournaments that yeah. have continued to you know, give the game life for many years, um, all these things, I think, just, just position Counter Strike in such a strong and powerful position where it's been around for 20 years and it'll be around for the next 20.
2: I guess, kind of going to this game thing, is there any concern about any games, like, event? Because like, obviously we know we have the original. But do you think there any... Any concern of like if the originals falling out, I guess, or if there does something come off, and um, I guess when it comes to game selection, because I know Dreampack over the years has changed in what they show.
1: Yeah, I mean, from the Counter Strike side where I work, there is no concerns whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, Counter Strike 2 is around the corner. Yes, so yeah. I guess yeah, like, I was like, like. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like an incredible uh, opportunity and positive news. Um, obviously, there's gonna it'll be fun to integrate Counter Strike <laughs> yeah, too, yeah. um, a, a fresh new game into the circuit. But it's exciting, uh, and that alone is testament to the, the, the I guess the positivity and security that we feel around Counter Strike moving forward. Okay. Um, and then in regards to other games, it's not too much I can
2: uh, yeah. start
1: cool. focus on. Cool.
0: I do have a question though. So if somebody hasn't played Counter Strike, hasn't watched Counter Strike, they're gonna stumble on this interview and are like, "Oh, Counter Strike." Yeah. What would be your recommendation for getting into the Counter Strike community, whether it's as a player or a fan?
1: Play the game. Yeah. Uh, straight <laughs> up, just, yeah. just get on it right now. Uh, play it. That, that's number one because you'll really enjoy it. Uh, and also play with friends. Uh, you know, it's not just a game you can play by yourself. You can play with others. You can you can meet new friends by playing it, which is you know even in my background, I have met a lot of my friends uh, for, through gaming, uh, and also. Watch the tournament, engage with the community, start to you know become a part of it. I think it's very easy to do so because all gaming communities uh, are so accommodating, and friendly, and welcoming. That I think once you get your foot in the door, it's going to be difficult to not enjoy being a part of it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. Thank
1: yeah. Thank you, thank you so you much. much. For your time yeah. Today. It's my pleasure. It's really yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to talk. With you. <laughs> yes.